hello, hello, goddamn, goddamn. Welcome back, everyone. Listen up. So I did this amazing recap of Vanderpump Rules Season 11, Episode 1, the premiere, with the incredible Lindsay of Vanderpod Recaps. I know you guys were excited for me to have her back on. And we talked for over three hours. So I asked you guys on Instagram, do you guys want me to cut it up or do you want me to leave it like it is? And y'all said, cut that bitch up. So I did. So the first hour of this podcast is all the things surrounding the premiere. The Nick Vial interview Jesus, the Rachel Goes Rogue episodes from this week, other news, other podcasts, just everything kind of leading up into the premiere and a little bit of reaction from the premiere. And then the second part is going to be the actual premiere recap. So go ahead and download this episode and the next one, you know, put them in the queue, put play next on Apple Podcasts. You can do that, whatever you want to do so you can get the whole shebang. And I promise you won't regret it. And I hope you really enjoy this first part of the episode. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. This is Who the Fuck Knows with Emily Rose. I'm Emily Rose, and I am coming to you all today from my living room. And I have a very special guest. You all love her. Literally, I've had people begging me to bring her back on the show. So I thought, who better to bring on to do a deep dive into season 11, episode one of Vanderpump Rules than Lindsay of Vanderpod Recap slash Additional War 1947 or some shit like that on Reddit. Lindsay, how's it going? <laughs> Hello. I was like, wait, does she actually remember my numbers? Because no. I don't. <laughs> no one does. Definitely not. <laughs> um, Oh my God, Lindsay, how are you doing? You know, this week was a crazy week in the Vanderpump mm. world. It really wasn't even Say the, the premiere that was wild. It was all the other stuff that happened right before and in between. Yes, and I'm glad you said that because, guys, if you're listening to this, so first of all, if you don't know who Lindsay is, uh, I, I mentioned additional war numbers unknown. Lindsay does recaps of the podcasts that are surrounding Vanderpump Rules, usually by cast members, sometimes not. Uh, we ha- I'm sure you've had to do several Nick Vile recaps up until now. And so yes. today we're going to talk about Vanderpump Rules, the premiere of season 11. But we are also going to have to talk about something that, in my opinion, rocked the podcasting world this week. Nick Vial, who is of The Bachelor fame dropped a podcast this week that was supposed to have Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval on, but we learned quickly that uh, the Sandoval piece almost didn't happen. And before we get into it, we're also going to talk about Rachel Goes Rogue because you guys loved our recap of that. So thank you very much, Lindsay, because I couldn't have done it without you. (laughs) And (laughs) we're going to talk about all those things before we get in the premiere. So uh, disclaimer, spoiler warning. If you guys have not listened or seen, I suggest seeing the Nick Vial interview run don't walk because i think it is necessary context furthermore and before we get into it i need to get this off my chest Lindsay. okay go for it no matter what happened in the nick vial interview no matter who came out looking good or bad nick vial is still a douchebag okay (laughs) Lindsay's like yes like nick vial is still a douchebag now did he feed into a lot of 
rabid fans hatred of Tom Sandoval absolutely did he hit on things and take him less than seriously in a way that was appropriate for his behavior definitely Nick Vial is still a douchebag and I would like to do I would like to give you all one fact that doesn't really matter to me but a lot of people he has he, Nick Vial is engaged his wife is on or his fiance is on the podcast she's pregnant she is 24 Nick Vial is 42 what I think is interesting about that as he touts himself to be holier than thou is to me, that's not necessarily a problematic age gap. It's really not. If you are like safe in that relationship. Uh, but you know, who was also 43 and 24 respectively, Randall Emmett and Lala Kent when they met. And I just think it is so funny <laughs> that he tries so hard to separate himself, but he is a, known douchebag player guy with a little bit of fame right now and he's entranced this 24 year old and she's awesome by the way on the podcast i think she's great and lala was awesome too at 24 so i'm just saying let's just keep that in mind i'm not going to say it again because it's not really relevant but know that vial is still a douchebag okay (laughs) preach oh god okay so This is one thing I needed to ask you, Lindsay, before we got into it was I didn't watch Nick on Everybody Loves Tom. So Nick came on to Everybody Loves Tom allegedly as a favor to Tom. And I didn't watch that episode. Even when they announced that the that the Toms were going to go on Vial's podcast, I didn't even know that Nick had been on Everybody Loves Tom. So I thought this was like groundbreaking because that's what we've all been waiting for, right? Nick Vial has spent all these months talking shit, having every cast member past and and present to talk shit about Tom Sandoval. Then he went on Special Forces with the guy, came back and still talked a little shit. And then he has him on his podcast. So did you listen to the episode that Nick was on of, of Tom's? And do you think that he had demeanor change? Like, what is your take on that? So I did listen to it. I did not recap it because it really was Nick focused. Mm-hmm. I believe they talked a lot about special forces. I think they talked about the bachelor. The one thing is, and Nick brought this up on the vile files. Nick asked, uh, asked Sandoval something. Do you think you should just stay single? Like, why do you have to be in relationships? I thought that was an interesting question. And Sandoval was like, oh, like, I just, I love to be in relationships and blah, blah, blah. And so that was like the only interesting part. But it really wasn't, it sounded like to me that Sandoval had a guess. I don't know if this was a week. Someone told me he was supposed to have Tana Mojo for a week. I don't know if this was the week that she canceled last minute. I don't know. This is all like allegedly. Wait, I'm sorry. Tom was supposed to have her on or Nick? Tom was Sandoval was supposed to have Tana on his podcast. I would have died. Yeah, someone told me that, and then she canceled last minute. I don't know if this was that week or maybe that Mm -hmm. didn't even happen. But it sounds like in a pickle, Sandoval called Nick. Mm -hmm. Nick did his podcast. It very was like surface level, not a lot there. Again, I didn't even recap it. And then Nick took that opportunity to be like, "Okay, you're going to do my podcast." Yeah. In Sandoval, I'm sure there was a conversation. Well, I need to know the questions beforehand. So mm. Sandoval did know the questions beforehand. My theory is that Sandoval was super, super nervous because mm. during the, you said their demeanor, during Sandoval and podcast with Nick on it, they seemed fine. They yeah. seemed okay. It was very, 
they seemed friendly with each other. And then, so I'm guessing Sandoval was super, super nervous to go on Nick's podcast the night before. It sounds like he got trashed, my opinion. Fun fact. I don't know. I forgot to bring this up to you, but did you listen mm. to Kristen's podcast this past no, week? No, I didn't get No, God. I feel like so, fun fact, at the end of that podcast, Luke was like, oh, hey, Kristen, you don't know this, but I was at Sandoval's house last week. And Kristen was like, what? Like, yeah. she actually sounded surprised. And he was like, yeah, uh, we were at a bar. I was hanging out with a friend. And then Kyle Chan, who's always the buffer in all this. It's always right. Kyle Chan. Yeah, he's the bridge. Kyle- Yes, he walked in with Sandoval and they all were hanging out. And then they were like, oh, let's go back to someone's house. Sandoval's house is closer. And this was the night before the Nick Vile podcast. So Luke was like, or Kristen said, well, you didn't even get, that was the night you didn't get home till late. And he was like, well, I didn't get, it was only like two. And Kristen was like, if you were out till two, that means Sandoval was out till God knows when. So they walked the, into Nick Vial's podcast, honey. No, literally. I don't <laughs> okay. think the man slept. No, he did not. Yeah. And so, Allegedly. The, yeah, the whole background with that, I was like, okay, so he was at a bar partying. They all came back to him and Ariana's house. And who knows what all happened. So, yeah, it was from going from Sandoval's podcast to this one. It made no sense. Like it was a right. huge jump. Okay, so that's what I was wondering because I I I saw like previews and clips, and I was like, that the impact was seemed to be much lower of having Nick on Tom's podcast than having Tom. So to me, what I'm getting at is it seemed like, and we all knew this, the framing of Vial's podcast was all because Nick was always going to get this man to come on his podcast, right? I don't know that Tom ever intended necessarily on having Nick on his, or if he did, it probably would have happened after Nick's podcast. And I know if you're listening, you're like, guys, you're saying the word podcast a million times and there's all these names and all these Toms and all these things. And I know that this sounds crazy, but I'm trying to set up like the tone for what Sandoval was walking into and why it characterizes to me Nick a little differently and how it informs the relationships that they all have and how at the end of the day to support my first theory that i said i would never talk about uh nick's just a douchebag he's an la they're all opportunists they were all using each other and it would make sense honestly tana being on tom's podcast would be the only like equivalent to that in podcasting you would have to have like nick vial alex cooper you would have to have somebody of that caliber, Trisha Paytas, to counteract that, or um, Jeff Wittick, because anybody else would not, the numbers that you would be projected to have Tana on, it just wouldn't, like, you couldn't get a Kyle Chan to come back on and still get those numbers, <laughs> right? So this is these are the stakes. And Nick did not feel, apparently, as though he needed to change up anything that he had already projected to be for this podcast. And I think that uh, I think you're right that Sandoval was nervous. I don't think I think that Sandoval deals with all of his emotions, whether they be anxiety, sadness, happiness, whatever, at this point in his life uh, with partying. And uh, everything I say about what I think he did and 
is alleged. But to me, he was giving, he hasn't slept. There are substances out there that will put you in a I haven't slept state of mind. Okay. And especially if it's like, it's, it's like if you've been drinking all night and let's just say you're just drinking, which I think, I think is fair to assume and say 100% he was drinking late. If you're waking up at like 8 a.m., then yeah, you're probably still going to be like hungover and emotional and things like that if you were out till say five. But this guy didn't have to be anywhere till three. So like, what were you doing that you did not, how late were you? How did you stay out so late that you didn't sleep is all I'm saying, right? He seemed to me like he was out late, like he was imbibing in some sort of stimulant. Now we can say Adderall if you, you know, if people are very uncomfortable with the idea of him doing coke, which is what I think personally, allegedly my opinion. Um, And then I don't, I just don't think he went to sleep. And then I think that he, he said he was with a friend. Now this week it broke that he's allegedly dating um, a, a model um, that used to date Leonardo DiCaprio at some point, which is like, who hasn't, right? Um, right. And so maybe he was talking about just hanging out with her. The way that it read to me was that he was at someone's house that was giving him substances, um, be that alcohol or whatever. And he literally lost track of time and literally was just screwed up. He was acting like someone he, he was he was acting like someone that was on drugs. OK, so OK, it's drug addict behavior um, coming in with the sunglasses on and getting like weirdly emotional at times that didn't really call for it, even though, you, you know, like we already set the stakes for the interview and just. The shit just and the weird, he was going in and out of a voice the whole time. I don't know if you noticed that, but it was very like Paris Hilton esque of like, that's hot, but I'm still really worried about this. Like, it was kind of like that. He was, he didn't have control like he normally does. And I am rambling and rambling, but I'm just trying to set the scene for why I believe that Tom Sandoval, not that it's revolutionary, was really fucked up when he walked into the studio. Okay. Well, and yeah, it. I, my brain's trying to process all this. Sorry. <laughs> he, no, you're good because it, it is a lot. And it's when he walked into the studio, as you said, sunglasses on, dirty pants. Oh, my God, the pants. The pants were dirty. Everyone looking at it was like, is that my screen? Are his pants dirty? What is going on? And then he he comes in, he gives Nick a tiger, the tiger photo. Mm-hmm. So he is already and you oh, this is where I was going. You said the way he spoke in this podcast. It's interesting because a lot of the things that he said in this podcast, he has said before. Yeah. However, his demeanor, his anger, his up and downness is what truly was different. Yes. Because he has said before about like he has shit talked Ariana before, yep. but the way he did it in this podcast was so up and down, up and down in his mm-hmm. anger and his, he has that voice when him and Nick were arguing about who was late and not late. Oh my God. Yeah. He had 
in my opinion, that drunk voice, which I'm sure yep. a lot of us have gotten before, yeah, he was slurring, where, yeah. where it was like, nah, man, you were late. You were yeah. late. Sandoval does not talk about talk like that when he's sober. Mm-hmm. No. He doesn't. And at what point when I was after I watched this, I was thinking, oh, Nick thinks he has like a gold mine here. But mm-hmm. at what point should Nick have maybe when Sandoval walked in and he looked at him, I almost think he should have been like, nah, man, we're not doing this today. Literally. You were on something. Yeah. I, I do not like, it's very clear <laughs> that I do not vibe with Sandoval. However, I do not, while it with reality TV, we watch things for entertainment, right? Yeah. I do not like to see someone spiral. And that mm-hmm. is what I was watching. Yes. So at what point should Nick have said, you know what, man, you're late. You seem in some kind of different headspace right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finish this interview with shorts. Maybe we can do this another day because it just, it was messy and it was alarming yes. at some points because clearly Sandoval was not right in the head. I think, mm-hmm. like you said, he deals with his emotions by partying. So yes. clearly, he, the night before into the morning was doing something. Yes. And so, because on his podcast this week where he talked about season 11 premiere, he still sounded angry, but not in this way. So there's definitely something that he was taking or doing to pump these things up. Thank you. Heighten it up. Yep. And that's another thing. And, and uh, Riley Hamilton of the Turtle Time podcast with Amy and Riley, he said this when he did a he did like an instant reaction video to the Vial podcast. He said, excuse me, he said, I don't feel like we needed to see the Schwartz piece. He was like, they could have just started the podcast with Tom Sandoval entering and alluded to the fact that he was late. He was like, there's he basically was saying there's something disingenuous about this whole you know not that it was fake but that it was malicious essentially on Nick Vial's part to do this whole like lead up because to me I think you all know what the fuck is going on I think that Schwartz knows I think that Nick knows because Nick you were on the show with him you went on on special forces you went on his podcast y'all know what it gives when somebody isn't answering their phone out of nowhere they're like, they haven't replied. And Nick was like, he hasn't said anything in two days. So you didn't think maybe that was a sign that he might not show up, but you still had Schwartz come and you filmed all of this. And it was just very, I'm not, look, I'm not saying that like, this is not a defense of Sandoval. This is just an, oh, it just was weird because, and I'm sure we'll talk about it once Sandoval got there. And so if you haven't seen it, just know the first, well, the first 30 minutes is like a, regular pop culture recap which they do at the top of every episode then the f- next 30 minutes schwartz gets there and nick and schwartz and and nick's fiance i forgot her name i think it's natalie i don't know natalie natalie they all kind of just speculate and talk shit about sandoval being late which is fine it's extremely rude but i don't think that sandoval was late out of rudeness like just to be late or because he was like getting his hair done um I think there was something going on. And Schwartz, it's like, give 
set up an intervention, dude, because there's something wrong with your friend. And the way that Schwartz just refuses to like acknowledge like what's really going on. And he's so concerned with cleaning up Tom's image and speaking for him. It's very alarming to me. I'm not saying it's not natural because I know I would do the same thing. I'm just saying as a viewer, you know, Schwartz, you need to, this guy's gonna fuck, fuck your life up. Like it really, I'm sorry. It was very like, he's a battered wife vibes, except Tom is the offender in the situation, not Katie. And it was like with, with Nick asking the questions, like if to your point, if Nick had just said, I, and I can't believe he didn't because Nick, you know what the hell is going on. I was expecting the whole time for Nick to be like, Sandoval, buddy, are you drunk or something? Did you drink before you came here today, man? I was expecting the whole time for him to say something like that, and he didn't. And I'm like, well, what are we protecting? Sandoval hasn't proclaimed to be actually, he's not like James. He's not like constantly saying he's sober. He just said he quit drinking for a few months. So why are we not calling out that he's very clearly not in his right mind? How does that benefit you, Nick? Because now you look like you're taking advantage of someone actively that is unwell to say the least. Well, yeah. And it almost brings, I never really thought of this topic before, but like ethics and podcasting, because you have a guest who clearly, again, allegedly, but clearly is on something. At what point do you just look at him and cut the camera? Mm -hmm. All of this it's so hard because <laughs> Nick, Lindsay's like rubbing her face, guys. She's well, because, like, hey. and I well, agree with her. I'm just thinking when you have to make a decision in a moment, and I'm sure Nick was thinking, oh shit, this person's not well, but if I keep doing this, I'm going to have a really crazy interview that's going to get yeah. people talking. And so what did he choose? He chose to keep going with the interview. I'm very curious with other people in the podcast world what they would continue doing and at what point does Schwartz not look at him and be like bro what are we doing and as you mentioned like I've had to have this before with people in my life who have struggled with addiction I'm not saying Sandoval does but Mm -hmm. the way I can compute it in my brain and I've had had hard conversations with them and ultimately it's up to them right Right. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to do. But as a friend, I try to lay it out there. I try to be there for them. But at some point, you do have to set your own boundaries because it does, it can go to a very dark place. I don't ever see Schwartz saying to Sandoval, hey, man, you need to cut your drinking out. You need to cut this because I don't know, you know, I don't know what Schwartz is doing. I don't know. I can't see him doing that and also let's be I'll try to be fair if he did do that to Sandoval Sandoval would just be like it doesn't seem like Sandoval likes to listen to people but in this moment someone should have said we're going to stop this interview and as you said before it was very I think it was very intentional that Nick left all that in they could have very much cut from when Sandoval came in and then had, but he kept, there was, if you look at my recap, there's three separate, four separate, three or four separate headings where mm. I put, they're still talking about him being late. Why right. were you late? Why were you late again? Why were you late? Right. That was all kept in intentionally. Yep. And it's funny to me 
that. And when Nick had his podcast this week, kind of talking about the aftermath, right. he was like, oh, I'm sure Sandoval is mad at me. Well, no shit. And I'm not defending, again, people know my stance with Sandoval, but I think that's why people like to listen to our conversations is we think about the whole picture and I'm not right. just going to shit on someone if I think there's more to it. Same thing yeah. with Rachel. Yeah, I always think there's more layers. So you, Nick actively made choices and he had every right to, he had every right to keep everything in. He had every right to keep going with the interview if totally. that's what he wanted to do. But you also, you can think about it like he could have did this very differently. And actually in that moment, be like, we need to stop this. We need to have a chat now. <laughs> but also it's, it's, they didn't get the content that they got was purely the, the interesting pieces of this interview came from lack of the conversation it That's came true. from the the highlights are schwartz being there first and they're talking about it then schwartz explaining for sandoval about the tiger because sandoval was never going to admit that that was the wrong thing to do he was actively trying to argue with schwartz about it then yep. the arguing with nick about being late none of none of that is pertinent information to scandoval quote unquote i don't even think and i could be wrong i don't think nick even mentioned or addressed how he's had every single member of the fucking cast on his podcast and this is what they've had to say and like exploring how Tom Sandoval felt about that or feels about it or you know he really didn't give a good interview again he and Bethany and and also Vial interviewed Whitney Rose of Salt Lake City this week and that was a shitty interview too because you don't watch the fucking show these people that don't watch the shows that are not invested like you, like me, like a lot of the other smaller podcasters get these platforms and they have these incredible opportunities to ask questions that are thought provoking. He doesn't have to make Sandoval look like a good person. In fact, there's a lot of things that he didn't have to make Sandoval look like a good person, but you got the drama for this. You didn't get convert. You didn't get con. You didn't get real content. You didn't get anything that someone could write a piece about. You got you got a very drunk person ranting and raving is what you got, Nick. And listen, <laughs> basically, Lindsay was just actually just saying that the headlines around the podcast were all about Tom's behavior, not the content of the of the interview. I were there any other major points or information or moments that came out of that interview? Um, that you wanted to that we should highlight before we move on not that I can think of again one of the articles that came out said that Sandoval said dude 44 times so <laughs> that that was the articles that we were getting it wasn't a lot of the information that Sandoval said we've heard before he talked a little bit more about the house but and here's the thing a lot of people know from my Instagram I don't vibe with Nick Vile as well. I do right. think he is a mansplainer. He's I would hate to have ass. a comfort I would hate to have a conversation with him. Also yeah. on his podcast later on this week when Natalie was like, yeah, I think Sandoval hates women and he clearly hated me. For then Nick to be like, yeah, but like I could still be friends with him. I just know how that friendship works. Like it was just, it was interesting to oh, listen to. And yeah. what else did he do? Um, and so they had like an aftermath section oh, yep. in the following podcast, right? Nick Vial and them. And there was another moment where he was like, what did he say? 
I don't think Tom Sandoval is a manipulator. Right. He said, I don't think he's manipulative. I mean, it's pretty clear what his deal is. He's, He's essentially saying like the guy's just a loser. How could you possibly be manipulated by him? And Natalie's like, well, Tom is very like, she says he's very manipulative and he uses this against girls that would fall for that kind of thing and nick's like yeah i just don't see i don't i don't really get it and i don't really think that's really what's going on he invalidates that anyone ariana raquel Kristen, whoever could have been manipulated by him because nick sees himself as a quote-unquote better man nick would be great on vanderpump rules he's the exact (laughs) type of guy he would be great casting evolution media holla like he would be Really great casting because he's just like them. He's exactly like them. They are all egotistical. They all thrive off of believing that they're better than one another. And they're all jackasses that at the end of the day, their egos are fed by fucking women that are younger than them and having a platform. Yep. Well, and Nick, I took that conversation as Nick thinks he's above getting manipulated and he doesn't think Sandoval so he he said he doesn't think Sandoval sophisticated right. enough he thinks and I do agree he did say he thinks Sandoval is reactive yeah I agree with that but yeah, I also yeah, he think did. he is manipulative and it doesn't take a genius to be manipulative in fact a lot of people who are that way very like are very surface level in a lot of things yeah but Natalie saying no, I think he is, and explaining that, and Nick almost being like, "Oh, honey, you're cute that you yes. think that." But yes. really, Nick, if you think about it, Sandoval, I feel like in some ways has manipulated you, as far as you're still saying like you could, you know, Nick to me still seems like he wants to be Sandoval's friend. I know he yeah. says that he want he could be his friend, but also know like how that relationship would work again nick talks a lot of game but Mm. i think his whole when he said that i was like this would be a good actually moment to listen to natalie and the other girls on your podcast because they're making sense and you're just like no i just for me he could never do that to me okay nick Mm. okay these men (laughs) these men men and their podcasts and their ugh, and it's like your industry jackass of reality television the bachelor isn't founded on a group of men who just love reality television and drama (laughs) like you are here in the position that you are because your show the audience the people that make you relevant is largely women you and matt rife can go kiss my ass fuck them i'm so i i just i can't and Okay, so that is pretty much all that I got from the Vial podcast. And one th- more thing to say, because my friend Elena and I did an instant reactions podcast where I did apologize to you publicly because I knew I was probably going to do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what Elena brought up was that it is interesting because we don't get Sandoval in episode one, right? But that void was very much filled by having just listened or watched the Nick Vial podcast. So I didn't really clock into him being missing from the episode until, you know, the end, because I felt like I just got a whole lot of Sandoval and I was actually kind of good on it, (laughs) you know, and it's interesting, too, because at that time, I guess that is when Sandoval is saying he was sober. 
that's when he was on, you know, doing special forces. He was like trying to kind of position himself as a different person publicly. And but what what's what's really going on is is what we saw on on Vial's podcast. So then we have another podcast. Rachel goes rogue or Rachel on the loose, as we lovingly (laughs) called her. Um, So she had a couple of episodes come out this week. She had one that was kind of like a prepping for the premiere. And then she had a reaction to the premiere. And I just listened to the reaction episode. So and I had kind of a chaotic morning. So I didn't retain all of the information. But I will say, as we have been saying, and I will take most accountability because this is my podcast, it would seem that uh, still some serious things going on with old Kennedy, DJ James Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And I don't, what did you think about, I'm assuming you listened and I'm sure you recap them. Uh, what right. did you think about her take on everything? So the last time we spoke about Rachel's podcast, like in depth, we talked about episode one. Right. Since then, she's had a few episodes and I didn't really care for a lot of them because I see Rachel getting in the cycle of talking about the same things, addressing things that people keep asking, but she's already addressed. Right. For instance, the Graham situation, I refuse to talk anymore about it, but yep. she has. Yeah. What is said is said. Yep. Um, the topic of accountability Rachel cannot win in this situation. If Rachel were to go on and say, I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry to everyone and listed all the names. Case closed. People would still ask her, but why did you do this? How did this happen? And then when she explains that, people say, you're not taking accountability. You're making excuses. But in the land of behaviors, thoughts, and feelings, (laughs) you can have Obviously, Rachel is not in a good place after her and James broke up. And she is alleging that there's more to the story than we know. So her downhill is not surprising that she got in this situation. She still made choices and she still actively did them. But I can understand more how she got into this situation. Right. But I can and and I can say all this and that I can separate that from like, Ariana does not have to give Rachel the time or day. This was done to her. As she said on the show, I think the anger piece is more gone with Ariana, but she just wants her over there away from her and she can live her life. 100% makes sense. I totally get that. As an audience though, we can still, if we want to hear Rachel's thoughts on this stuff and how she's reacting to things, I think that's okay. And I think we can, if we actually really listen to things, So this whole topic of accountability, there's still people who are like, she's taking all the accountability. She's not taking any. So Rachel, every week addressing that, it's not going to help her because she just, there's no winning with that. Right. And then what I think is really interesting is this topic of production and Mm -hmm. how they really got involved. Mm. And I'm curious, and I said this because people are on one end, I don't believe that production told her to say these things, or if they did, she's a grown ass woman. She could have said no. Okay, fair. But mm-hmm. I think all of them have alluded to, Stasi has alluded to like production, like you want them to be happy. You want to make a good show. Yeah. And I feel, I'm sure when Stasi and Lala first entered the show, 
they probably did a lot of things that they were told. And yeah. from my understanding, I think Stassi kind of found her voice in some things and would say no as far as like they wanted to reshoot things. Up and Adam, who works at Sir, he's oh, talked about how he's seen before. Where me too, where he has seen Stassi be like, no, I'm not reshooting that. Like I said what I said, I'm done. So I think they find their voice. Yeah. Rachel, as we've talked about, seems very stuck in high school. If yes. someone tells her, and she's very literal, so yes. if someone tells her to say something, she's going to do it. But why people so want to not believe that? But this premiere, what do we see? Lala reaches out to Rachel. What is right. the conversation right now? Produ- production told her to do that. Yep. So then why are we believing that, but we're not believing that they could have said stuff to Rachel and she did it? I think that is, I think that's an interesting conversation that's happening right now. Well, as usual, uh, the fandom is only takes pieces that they want to take from things. So you're right. The contradiction is stark. Also, I think that Rachel, again, not only does she take things very literally, she explains them very literally. And I believe that there is room for context in this where it's not necessarily that they were like holding her literally hostage. But right. I I think that they probably said, all right, we just need this one soundbite. We just need this one thing uh, because it will make it more interesting. Like we don't know what I was unclear on with Rachel is. Were they not planning on going to Guy's Night? Were they not planning on filming later that night? I I think that it was, was that, okay, if you guys aren't going to film here, though, we do still need you to film elsewhere because there is a certain amount of probably hours or time or whatever that you commit to in a day of filming. So, okay, cool. You're not going to film with the girls on the girls trip. So then we're going to need you guys to show up for guys night unless y'all have a better idea. And they probably did not. And so then they would say, all right, so for cohesiveness, you need to say, all right, we're leaving. We're going to guys night now. In and of itself, is that malicious? No. Is it a little, do I think the producers are clever enough to understand like what that implies and the story that they are in the process of showing to us? Yeah. So that it makes sense it's not rachel people are projecting that rachel is saying that these people are evil or that they are you know, but she's not she's telling you what happened yeah. and it did happen but i think that it's reasonable to assume it probably wasn't like you know you're off the show if you don't say this or this is what you need to say because this is going to be drama that's what they were going to go do was go to guys night so she needed to say that so that they could make it make sense for the story Mm -hmm. now when it comes to lala (laughs) don't get me started (laughs) i think once again once again this girl i swear and we'll get there i'm gonna i'm probably gonna say this eight million times while we record every time i think i can almost get to team lala she she pushes me down she snags the football out from under me i always think i can get with her so her whole thing that she does later and I think it's been, didn't she confirm that the producers told, hasn't that been, it feels well, like, it feels like that's not, that wasn't originally an issue, that it was, that the producers told her she needed to send this thing. 
I can't. Go, you go ahead because I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, go off I the don't rails. know. So Ariana recently had her book tour show in New York, and someone asked about that. That's what and it was. Mm-hmm. Ariana said, "I'm not mad at Lala at all." And let's be real, Ariana makes or Lala makes great TV. Right. And her co-host that night, I cannot remember. I'm seeing his face. Matt Rogers. Remember. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Yep. He. He said something about, and let's be honest, and they kind of whispered, production told her to do that, and they all laughed. Yeah. And so I think it is very highly allegedly thought slash confirmed <laughs> that Rach or Lala was told by production, or they had a conversation, and Lala was probably like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I'm down for that. I can do yeah. that. Yeah. And so... But it's just interesting because, again, we have a situation. And watching Lala at the end of that episode, which we can get more into it, to me, there are so many moments where she looked bored and she looked like she wanted to say more or she wanted to fight more. So I don't know if production picked up on that and was like, girl, we need to save this. This girl's night is all kumbaya. We need to start something. (laughs) I'm not saying because it is confusing. Because there is a moment in the episode where Lala, during her interview, seems actually really emotional and talking about how Rachel, the isolation part she can get with. I'm not saying that Lala cannot relate at all to Rachel. I do think there are some emotions that are real. However, as Rachel said in her podcast, oh, this was all on camera. And I think the cast have said stuff before where if it's like a real, real thing, they will kind of tell them beforehand. So it's not a complete shock on camera. And so for Lala then to just, the very first time for her to reach out to Rachel, be on camera is a little suspicious. And I don't blame Rachel for being suspicious of it because as she said, Lala and Rachel have never, ever gotten along. So for Lala to be the first person to reach out to her in all of this, like, ding, like, our mind is going to have some dings going off because we got questions. (laughs) And I think she, in my opinion, like you said, I think she was looking around at the scene. And I think that Lala, who is very good at reality television, I want to be really clear about that. Okay, she just gets better and better. This is where she fucks up, though, is that I shouldn't be able to tell what you're thinking, right? It should be a little more. She needs to work on making it a little more organic, I think, because I think she was like, yeah, this shit isn't going to work, like you said. And we're going to have Rachel's going to have to come back. She's going to have to come back on the show. We need her here. That's how. And she's right. They did need her there. They will need her there for. Less biased, more complete storytelling because she is a major part of the story so i think also something to note because we're not talking about the episode yet yet here i am we're talking about rachel goes rogue rachel mentioned uh part of the scene was lala being like oh my god she read it she read it well no rachel didn't read it her uh was it her publicist her manager her assistant some her publicist had access to her instagram which is interesting because that lady didn't take shit down. She didn't block shit. That just let let it fly. Um, she did. <laughs> so it's like, girl, you should not have paid for her. But anyway, she she read it, which again, as I have, I think mentioned before, I have been institutionalized. I was put in a mental hospital in 2011, and if I haven't um, 
<laughs> you know, welcome to my life. That was something <laughs> that happened to me. Um, that I was that some that was something that happened to me. So yeah, you don't get bones in there, or you didn't in 2011. No. So I'm assuming you definitely don't now. You um, still don't. Yeah, you still don't. And the, which is also why the postcards and all of that became a big thing because that's how <clears throat> you can communicate with the outside world. Um, right. So, and then, oh my God, I forgot Tom Sandoval talking about having these glitter bomb letters that he was sending her. It, I was like, honestly, I was like, that's kind of sweet because I know that that Rachel loved that shit. But Tom, the way he was doing it, was the not. way you're doing it is insane. Like, this is probably, I don't, I can't get into it. I'm going to freak out if I start talking about him um, <laughs> again. <laughs> so anyway, so that's why that was all going down. And once again, Emily Marlowe's over here trying to explain to y'all, that's how it works in the fucking mental institution. What else do you guys want to know? Like, what else do you guys need to understand? She didn't have access to her social media. She wasn't able to call the damn shelter and talk to all that she was not able to make those decisions because she was in an institution okay that's how that shit works period stop y'all don't understand like and that's good i don't want a bunch of people to understand what it's like to be in one of those places it can be a really it's usually in the midst of a very unpleasant event okay so yep. i just i like so anyway lala doing that in my opinion i agree with rachel i think it was disingenuous and Rachel didn't talk about this on her podcast but it was the first thing I said to Elena after we watched that episode I was like a voice message Lala like really like again that is a production thing they just started with in in television production and films they just got comfortable with the we're putting text on a screen for you to read text because that's how most people communicate it's a much better storytelling device it's a much better acting device i guess to have it like uh, vocalized um orated than to have it in text so i just thought because that's not a natural thing to do that wouldn't that's not natural if you haven't if you if the last time you saw someone you told them to get mentally evaluated and that they would basically be better off dead and then co-signed your friend telling her to fuck herself with a cheese grater i don't right. think that you come out of that like Hey girl, sorry, I was driving and I just wanted like no, you text her and be like, "Hey, can you talk?" That's am I crazy? That's the natural order of things. Well, and then I have to wonder too because Sheena and Esteem before and <laughs> it's 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 honestly hard to not talk about Rachel's podcast and the episode because they this last episode of her podcast they are they really intertwined. Of, they yeah. are. So it does make sense. So when Sheena was talking to Brock about how she heard Rachel had extended her stay, so they all, from my understanding, know that Rachel was in a place. So then for Rachel, for Lala to say, oh my gosh, you listened to it. It is also interesting to me that they showed that because once again, they're alluding to Rachel listening to it. But as we know, it was not her right. because she was in a mental health place. Right. You do not have phones. As okay. someone, I myself was in a place in 2015 and later in grad school, I actually worked at a hospital Right. You do not get your phones. The only time maybe you can ask for your phone if you have to look up a number or call work, you can yes. like do that stuff. But they're not going to say, oh, you need to go on social media and post something. Go yeah. ahead, sweetie. Here, yeah, here's your phone. All. They don't do that. You you have scheduled call times. Yep. That is how it works. So 
during this period of time, I remember people being confused. Well, wait, how are people posting? How is she posting on her social media right. and doing this when it, it wasn't her? So it is even more interesting to me that Lala sent a voice message on her phone when they all knew, even though I know during that time, people were like, oh, she's at a spa. She's there. But I think they all really knew she was at a mental health facility, but yet she still sent a voice message and then was like, oh, she listened. It's interesting. I don't know. Right. It's, it's I see what you're like, saying. Why did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, why did they almost allude to that? I don't know. Well, that in part's... the press, right? In the press, they were coming out and being, and they were all fucked up for that. Sheena included, you know, that's my girl. But yes. all of them tried to be like, well, we don't know that she's in a institution. We don't know that she's in a mental health facility. She could be at a spa for all we know. That was how they were acting, all of them, about yep. it. And, yep. and then you have, I'm sorry, there was a podcast, or I'm sorry, a con- an Instagram account that was perpetuating the narrative with un- you know, with no room for reasonable doubt that Rachel was lying and she was not at the meadows and that she was at a spa. And it was really weird of that person to do that and is untrue and was untrue at the time and is still untrue. And the the so the and the people that were in you know in talks with this content creator seemed to be Katie was someone who was connected to this person and I believe Maybe I don't I really don't think it was Sheena. It was not Lala, but it was primarily Katie that this person was uplifting and having conversations with and posting about. And this person said, like, unequivocally, like, she's not in a mental health facility. So that puts all this doubt around her condition. And I think that it was just to send hate to her. I think it was just to and drum up drama. And these women on the show have a responsibility to not do all of that shit and so maybe part of lala's guilt was less about her self-reflection and just knowing that in that moment they were actively trying to discredit her about something that's pretty fucking serious and then also like the voice message it's like and why are you maybe lala thought maybe lala thought she could get on instagram somehow i don't know or i mean i don't i really believe that they knew that she was not well, and then, it, and then it was, it was alluded it was a spa, or it was alluded it was kind, it was a mental health place, but kind of like a a foo foo L.A. mental health space, right? Which they have a lot of those, but I truly think she was in an inpatient intensive trauma. Like yeah. you do not leave, you stay there. I think eventually they had because of how long she was there, they had like maybe some outings because that's how she was able to get the postcard or whatever. So I don't know if people and maybe Lala and maybe production didn't quite understand like how intense this place was or how she really did not have access to things. So maybe that was it. But yeah, that, that whole time period was in- interesting, and the cast very much was. I hope she's in a mental health facility, mm-hmm. but sh- I don't know for sure if she is. I have heard rumors she's at a spa, and if that's the case, then yes. that would be really fucked up. And that 
so going from that to now we're seeing Rachel talk about how she, her publicist listened to that. And then when she got out, she listened to it. And even not knowing then it was filmed on camera, but just listening to it, she didn't really feel like Lala was being genuine. Right. But Rachel also said, but maybe she is. I don't know. But right. then I saw it was on camera and I was like, oh, okay. That's now I get up. it. Yeah. That's what's mm-hmm. up. Yep. 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 One There's more one more one more thing. Go for it. Him her saying that Sandoval called her selfish for being in the meadows and for yes. working. Oh my yeah, god. And for working on herself and for it's interesting. So he ooh, and this is where people are like, Well, you can't take everything what Rachel says is true. I, I will with this part because <laughs> I know guys like Sandoval. I've lived it. So he has said on a podcast. I when Rachel wouldn't call me, I'd be so upset because I was so looking forward to hearing from her. Mm-hmm. Rachel that goes on her podcast, he would get really angry when I didn't answer his phone calls. He would say that I was being really selfish working on myself when he was out there, you know, in the trenches getting all this hate. And one of other cast members says, Lala has says, I give Sandoval credit because like he stayed in here, like out in it and got the heat. Okay, he chose to do that. You can't fault Rachel for like getting mental health treatment. Right. But for him to say, I I I can hear it in my head, yep. him saying, You're being selfish or like guilt tripping her. And then he recently, this was a page six article that came out, a close source from from Sandoval. So who knows? Probably Billy Lee, Kyle Chan, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Said, um, Sandoval did not guilt trip her. Okay, were you on the phone right. with Sandoval and Rachel? You don't know that. And he just missed her and cared for her well-being. And they were just dealing with things, you know, differently. Levis disappeared and closed herself off from the world by going into the treatment center. And he took it all head on. Fuck you. Like, yeah. fuck you for saying that. Yep. And then then, and then and he said, like, Tom just really looked forward to their conversations. It wasn't, you know, he he wasn't angry about it he would just really looked forward to it no like I can hear that conversation in my head and we have seen the way that Sandoval has been talking and the way he talks to women he I have no doubt that when he would talk to Rachel it was very much oh, you don't know how hard this is for me meanwhile she's literally in a mental health facility yep. you don't you don't know how hard this is for me man I just this is so easy for you right now you're just all by yourself you're just doing you know I'm just thinking of what yes, maybe no 100 percent and the codependency it, go ahead go ahead no I, I was right like that yeah go ahead the codependency that he struggles with plays into that too the literal codependency because he would be like I'm you know I, you ha- you have made a decision to leave me out here on yes. my own to deal with this. And we were supposed to deal with this together. Now, whether or not you could frame that in a way that would sound like romantic <laughs> in a really fucked up world, or you could right. frame it in the way that he likely meant it if he said something along those lines, which I think we both believe that he did. Yep. Um, in that he thought that he, that they would get, they would take the heat together, just basically what you said, that the media would come for both of them at the same time. But really, because her whereabouts were unknown or uncertain, they came for for him. 
um, because they because she couldn't absorb the press. She couldn't respond. She wasn't able to, you know, he probably wanted her to be out so that they could follow her around and scrutinize every one of her missteps and find her on a sketchy ass avenue street and bumfuck of Los Angeles looking crazy as hell with someone following you around singing Celine Dion or whatever the fuck he was doing. Okay. Remember, like he was out in the press making an ass out of himself and he was hoping that she would do the same. So he wouldn't look like such a loser. Right. Yep. That's what he wanted. Um, yeah. When I heard her say that I was, I, uh, I was aghast, but I believe her. I do too. And like, guys, if you, if you've gotten this far into the podcast and, and you don't realize this already, I think me and Lindsay, for the most part, like believe women right and i think uh there's nuance with all of these people um but if you're somebody who just hates raquel and just you (laughs) feel like she cheated you know she took your man or whatever it is like i encourage you to keep listening because i think there's a lot of nuance but maybe this is a podcast for you and i think that's fine so after rachel goes rogue we had you talked a little bit about Kristen's podcast were there any other relevant podcasts? I know Lala had Alex Baskin. Um, Sheena responded to Nick Vial's podcast on shenanigans a little bit with Ryan Bailey and Kiki Monique. And uh, you were telling me, what did Sheena say that was of note? Oh, that Sandoval oh. seemed fucked up on the Vile Files. Yeah. So Sandoval has confirmed in an E! News article and on his podcast that he is he's no longer like he is drinking again. Yeah. That is something that he's let people know Sheena and on her podcast with Ryan and Kiki talked about how it very much seemed like he was not either sober or had been partying all night and went into this interview. And Sheena said he, you know, he quit drinking for eight months, but at the premiere party, she looked at him and was like, Oh, you're drinking again. So she, so she knows his mannerisms too. I'm sure they all watch that or watch clips or whatever they do and they were like oh i've seen this sandable before yeah mm-hmm. and even sheena and ryan and kiki alert like that no one i think a lot of people don't want to watch that again there's this whole entertainment aspect of reality tv and the messiness of it but when you're really watching someone be not okay and the interview just continue and it gets worse and worse like mm-hmm. you're actively cringing the whole time yeah that is not that is not fun for any of us. So going from that to then the premiere, I was like, <laughs> okay, this actually like, whew, I need yeah. to chill for a little bit. So let's just get right into it. All right. Well, that was a doozy. Am I right? So that is part one. You guys go ahead and look in the feed for part two and we'll get this party started. Okay. See you soon. Tell me what you